Hey guys, welcome back to Two Dead Girls. Hello again. Um, we hope that you really liked last week's episode. I know Cindy really wanted to change it up a little bit for you. She worked really hard on that show prep, so we really hope you enjoyed it. I haven't exactly checked the number of streams, but we're still moving up, so it's still pretty exciting. We appreciate you guys listening, reviewing, rating, all that jazz. We really do, actually. It's been really cool to see people actually talk about it within our friends and family as well. And we're almost at 100 Instagram followers, and it's not just all of our friends and family, so that's exciting. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy seeing the amount of support by people we know, like, pouring in, just excited to listen to the podcast. And, you know, it it makes us feel really good, especially whenever I'll see somebody who we may not know listening or reviewing or rating or following. And that's exciting because it just shows that we're reaching people that, you know, are outside of our circle, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and you know, we've gotten support from people that are close to us that I never thought would listen, so it's been pretty cool. I have gotten some questions about when the paranormal videos are coming. Just stay tuned. We're still working on those, but we feel like right now the most interesting cases and the most like need-to-know cases are going to be our true crime cases, so that's what we're doing for now, but we will incorporate paranormal soon, promise. In the near future. Yeah, so if you do have any paranormal stories that you want to share with us for us to discuss on the show, go ahead and email them to us at twodeadgirlspodcast at gmo.com or head over to our Instagram account at twodeadgirlspodcast, send us a message. I read them all the time. I'm not sure about you, Cindy, but I read them all the time or check them at least. I will be checking them. I kind of forgot. <laughs> I kind of forgot DMs are a thing. Yeah. <laughs> we're speaking we just got a like on our instagram page so that's that's pretty cool awesome <laughs> isn't sure who the person was thank you shadow rider don't know who you are but thank Shout you out. shadow rider <laughs> <laughs> um but today's case is very ugh, it's very sad actually guys so before we start i just want to give a disclaimer that this does have to do with children and the death of children if that's not something that you want to listen to we completely understand but if it is just you know, enter with caution. We will be talking about some pretty sad things today. Um, so there's your disclaimer. I wanted to throw it all out there before we got into it and let you guys know what you're getting yourself into. So today's, um, I'd say, a fairly well-known case. Uh, I'm yeah. sure a lot of you have heard of the Daybell case, or you may hear it called by Lifetime and Dateline, the Doomsday Daybells. Uh, this is a case that I don't know about you guys, but Raven and I followed as it was unfolding. And so now that we have a little bit of a completion to it, we'd like to go over it. We feel like it's perfect timing. Not only is it a recent case, so people will know more about it, but just a month ago, the case was actually closed. So it's perfect timing to complete this case. Just go over it with you guys from start to finish. We have answers, guys. We actually have answers. I love answers. I know you do. (laughs) I want to actually know how things go. Yeah, so today's case, we're going to be talking about the tragic death of Tylee Ryan and Joshua Jackson Vallow, also known as J.J. Vallow. So Tylee was 16 at the time, and um, J.J. was 7 years old, which is very sad, like I mentioned. This took place in Rexburg, Ohio, and it's going to take place between the time of September 2019 until, like I said, May of 2021. So, Cindy, did you want to get a little bit into Lori's background? Lori's the mother, by the way. Lori is the mother of Tylee and the adopted mother of JJ. So, we're going to get into that a little bit. You want to go ahead, Sid? Sure. So, Lori Ryan Daybell, 
also referred to as Lori Vallow Daybell, was born on June 26, 1973 in San Bernardino, San Bernardino, Bernardino, California. I am not really... He's never been a good speller, guys. No. (laughs) Uh, So Lori got married for the first time when she was very young, just age 19, to her high school boyfriend, Nelson Yanes, uh, and that happened in 1992. The marriage did not last, however, and they were divorced shortly afterwards. By the time she was 22, she married again to a 23-year-old man named William Lagoya, and that happened on October 22nd, 1995. She and William had one son together. His name was Colby, and that happened in 1996. He's the same age as Raven. And then they later divorced in February of 1998. So why that's important is because it gives Tylee and JJ their older sibling. Colby was born, so that's pretty exciting. We also want to mention that a lot of these names do sound similar, so you really have to pay attention because they are confusing. They're very common male names, so and there's a lot of them because... Lori got around. I hate to say it, but she had a lot of husbands. She did get married uh, quite a few times. Shame, Uh, no shame, but still, it's confusing a little bit. Sometimes you just got to date, Lori. It's okay to date. (laughs) You don't got to marry all of them. Pretty much. So, eventually, uh, Lori gets married to Tylee's father, who is Joseph Ryan. They got married in 2001, and uh, her, her Tylee's father actually adopted her older brother, Colby. Uh, the couple had Tylee together in 2002, but by 2004, Ryan had fo- filed for a divorce from Lori, and that was finalized in 2005. Her time was not the charm in this case. No. <laughs> Third marriage was not it. It, yeah, I don't think her fourth or fifth were either. I don't know. Is the fifth one still working out? Probably from the jail cell. Yeah. <laughs> no, they might write letters to each other. Who knows? Jeez. <laughs> What's crazy anyway. though? I was, I was. Yeah. Anyways. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> What's crazy though is that only two years after he had finalized that divorce, or they had finalized that divorce, Ryan, which is Tylee's biological father, was attacked by Lori's brother, Alex. And this is going to mention Alex Cox for the first time. That's an important name that you guys need to remember. That's Lori's brother, um, her little sidekick. So he had heard allegations that Ryan had been abusive to him, or not him, sorry, to Lori and the children, and decided to take things into his own hands and attack the living crap out of Ryan. Um, He even tased Ryan and threatened to murder him. So that's pretty crazy. So for that, he was sentenced to 90 days in jail, which he served in Austin, Texas. That's a little bit about Alex. Like I said, keep his name in the back of your mind because this is not the last you hear about him. So move on to a next marriage. (laughs) After that marriage didn't work out, which all these are very short, like a few years. Uh, After that marriage didn't work out, uh, she got married, Lori got married to Charles Anthony Vallow, which is where we hear Lori Vallow from. She got married to him on February 24th, 2006. And 
it happened in Las Vegas because what do you do Eva, by your- Las Vegas? Yeah. What do you do about your fourth marriage? It doesn't really matter anymore. Get married with Elvis. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Have an Elvis preacher <laughs> minister. I'm just gonna say everyone that I've known that's gotten married in Vegas, um yeah, that don't last. Yeah, I mean it might save you some money on the <laughs> ceremony, but I don't, I don't. Yeah, it's all for shits and giggles. Let's be honest. I mean, so is getting married four times at that point. But yeah. oh my gosh, we're just flaming this girl. <laughs> I, I, love like, I love it. I love it. She deserves deserve it. it she deserves it. <laughs> Fun fact about Lori's new husband Charles is that he was a lifelong Catholic, but he converted uh, to be a Latter Day Saint, also known as Mormonism, like his new wife. Which is interesting because you often hear of females converting for males, but not vice versa. Uh, but together, or sorry, not together, uh, Charles Vallow had two sons from a previous marriage, Nicholas and Zachary Chase. And in 2013, Charles and Lori adopted his grandnephew, JJ, Joshua Jackson, as we know, before they moved to Kauai, Hawaii, in late 2014. Which this is where things, life. yeah, this is where things start to pick up a little bit. So uh, only a year after they moved to Hawaii, Lori became pretty much infatuated with this guy named Chad Daybill's Standing in Holy Places series of books. It was pretty much about doomsday and prepping for the end of the world. Um, he had a series of these that they were just so like morbid and ugh. She became obsessed with him pretty much, and she would always talk to her friend about him, watch all of his press conferences, watch all of his events, all of his podcasts, read all his books. It was a weird obsession about this guy who just had a fascination with the end of the world. I mean, um, we enjoy dystopias as much as the next person, but it's a little much. I know, I'm not going to go to that extreme to make my whole career based off of the end of the yeah. world. Yeah, I'm good on that one. Yeah, facts. Um, but yeah. So in 2016, the Vallow family moved back to Arizona. So um, the fall of 18, Lori and her friend Melanie attended a Preparing a People event. This is an event that I was just mentioning that Chad Daybell was a speaker at. So at this event, Lori was finally introduced to Chad for the very first time. And according to her friend Mal. Melanie, sorry, Melanie Gibb. By the end of the weekend, Daybell told Vallow that the two had been married in seven previous lifetimes. They were pretty much soulmates in their past lives. What a hardcore pickup line. Like, way and to you lay were it together on seven thin. times back in the day. <laughs> and by the day, I mean the lifetime on <laughs> other planets. Wow. I mean, it, it gives me no? super, it gives me like this whole part of this case gives me major Guardians of the Galaxy episode two vibes or volume two vibes yeah okay yeah, right yeah every single time i think about it i'm like mm, star lord just, just imagine like cute guy comes up to you and says did you know we were together in seven previous lives like i'll give him the huh yeah like uh, face that's when you order the drink that tells the bartender you feel unsafe yeah <laughs> but she's oh, into man. it guys she's all about chad daybell she had had this vision, I guess I could say, in her brain that this man was who she was going to be with since the day she read his first book. She was obsessed with this man. Crazy. Um, but like I said, by the end of the weekend, they were connected at the hip. The two began 
The two began private messaging and beginning this secret affair kind of thing where they were constantly talking to each other and in romantic and intimate ways. So it was kind of weird, you know, both of them being married with families. But several weeks after their initial meeting, Charles did take a business trip and Lori had the whole house to herself. So she decided to have an overnight gathering at her home and she invited her friend Melanie. And guess who else she invited? You guessed it. Chad Daybell. <laughs> Crazy. So they were they were going to be speaking at another conference in Mesa, Arizona. Um, so it kind of just worked out that he could stay with her. But it's, I think it was all planned. Like she definitely wanted him there. Absolutely. Melanie would recall the conversations that they would have really weird with unusual religious beliefs and deeper mysteries of God and super weird stuff like that. And that's all they would ever talk about. Um, Daybell stated that he had already lived in 31 different lives on various Earth-like planets. And he referred to people as the light of the dark. So the dark would be people who were from the Earth followers of Satan, and in the light were followers of Jesus Christ. He referred to Lori as an eternal being of t- over 21 separate lives, and five of which had occurred on this planet, just like the five that he had occur- or lived on th- this planet. So you can just already tell this guy's a strange dude. He's kind of a nut job. I mean, good on him for thinking on his feet, though. Like, oh, how many lives have I lived, Chad? 21, five of which yeah. are even here. And we're not we're not hating on people who do believe these things because we definitely have our own strange beliefs that others don't believe. Yes, but we but already know that this guy's full of it and just flirting. That's why we don't, we don't murder our children because they're zombies. So yeah, we'll get there though. You just hold on because we're getting there. Lori was just super attracted to him. She just felt like she was got a thrill from his lifestyle and his belief system. And began a much deeper and almost singular focus on his newfound purpose. Or on her new film purpose, sorry. And just super obsession to Chad Daybell. On December 5th of 2018, Lori and Chad appeared together on the Preparing a People podcast. That is a mouthful. Peter Piper picked a pickle pepper. Preparing (laughs) a People podcast (laughs) called Time to Warrior Up. Man, I just can't say that. (laughs) I pick a catch your slogan next time, guys. Preparing a People podcast. Peter Piper picked a pepper. So let's move our attention back to Charles. According to Charles Vallow, in February of 2019, Lori informed her husband that she no longer cared about him or JJ and claimed she was the reincarnated wife of Joseph Smith, who, if you don't know, is the founder of the Mormon religion. Uh, And then she vanished for 58 days, which is quite a vacation. (laughs) The same month, Charles Vallow filed for divorce. Very surprising stating that his wife had threatened to murder him and she had taken $35,000 from their joint bank accounts. Never get a joint bank account or and always Never. sign a prenup if, you've, always. if you're marrying someone who has been married more than three times. Please. <laughs> My, I, I sound like the Migos in the background. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, please. <laughs> always. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Back to the case. Anyway. She also stole his truck. He filed for an order of protection against her with the advice of his attorney, citing his genuine fear for his life. Rightfully so. Charles was not only concerned for his own safety, he was also concerned for the safety of his children. Primarily JJ's safety and well-being because he was uh, someone who needed a consistent routine due to his special needs. 
He was also concerned for Tylee, obviously, but he was unable to do anything to help her because she's not his biological daughter. Therefore, he has no legal right to her, especially while he's getting a divorce. Drew with a petition one month later saying that he wanted to try and make the marriage work. So I think he was trying to keep his family together, but also concerned about his wife's sanity, um, which is very common in relationships like this, I feel. You know, you want to make your family work. You have kids together and everything, but... At the same time, your wife's crazy. So, how many people have this crazy of a wife? He, <laughs> I think right. it's- he, he did convert for her. He they did adopt a child together. I mean, why wouldn't you want to try and make that work? I also think it's important to mention right here the severity of JJ's special needs. He did require a service dog, um, which we can later mention because Lori decides to you know give him away. So we'll get into that a little bit later, but keep listening. So unfortunately, uh, Charles being scared didn't last much longer because on July 11th, 2019, Charles was shot and killed in Chandler, Arizona by Lori's brother, Alex Cox, the one who I mentioned earlier, who you guys should remember, he was shot and killed by him. Um, Cox claimed it was self-defense. He said that Charles had struck him in the head with a bat, so he went and got his gun and shot him. But it's really unfortunate because Lori and both of the children were apparently prejudiced present at the time but did not stay around for whenever the police arrived so we don't know that for a fact but that's what we are told it's also important to note that when charles died Lori didn't immediately tell people that her husband was dead including his family she didn't tell his extended family or his children from his previous marriage about the murder until a little bit later and he she told them through a text message which yeah and wouldn't answer their questions which is just super nonchalant you know, how much would it suck for you to get a, a, as a grown child of this man, get a text from your stepmom, I guess. Hey, yeah. your dad's dead. Yeah. Have a good day. Yeah, and, and she just doesn't answer any questions. And also, she uh, used his Amazon account to make a purchase after he had died, but before she told anybody. And the purchase she made was for thirty five ninety nine on October 2nd, 2019. Uh, and it was for a wedding ring. Oh, keep in mind that she purchased this wedding ring after her husband is dead and her lover is still married. So that's super suspicious. But what happens next is even more suspicious. And I know I've said this a million times in this podcast already, but just keep listening because I feel like this case is an onion and you just have to keep peeling back layers because it never ends. It's so just, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> So I feel like we have told you enough about Lori. I didn't want to spend too much time talking about her or Chad, really. But I feel like it's important to give context to who they are and why they believed what they did. So with that being said, we told you enough about Lori. So let's tell you a little bit about who Chad Daybell was and is. Ugh, I, ugh. Gross. Yeah. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so Chad Guy Daybell was born on August 11th of 68 in Provo, Utah, and was married to Tamara also known as Tammy Douglas, on March 9th, 1990. He graduated from BYU in 92 with a bachelor's in journalism, and he did many other jobs, including a cemetery sexton. If you're not sure what that is, it's pretty much a glorified grave digger. Um, in 2004, he, ha- he founded Spring Creek Book Community and devoted his time to the end of times fiction books that I had mentioned earlier. And then he also had five children with Tammy, Three boys and two girls. The last thing I'll mention about 
Chad for now is that in 2015, he claimed that he heard a voice in his head telling him to relocate to Rexburg, Ohio. So he and Tammy both moved there from Utah that June. Guess who else lived in Rexburg, Ohio, Sydney? Lori. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. So why it was so strange that they bought that wedding ring or why Lori bought that wedding ring was because Chad was still married to Tammy. Still married to Tammy. Sydney, did you want to go ahead and like tell a little bit about Tammy's story? Yeah, I feel bad for Tammy in the story because I don't feel like we have a lot on who she was as a person, but I I just this is she didn't deserve this. (laughs) She absolutely didn't. On October 9th, 2019, Tammy Daybell reported on Facebook and to police that she was shot at in her driveway by a masked man with what she believed to be a defective paintball gun. And while paintball obviously won't kill you, if you've ever been shot with a paintball gun, you might know that it can leave quite the bruise. Yeah. The sheriff's office did not find her perpetrator, however, and 10 days later, she was found dead in her home, allegedly from natural causes. So it's just a coincidence that someone was coming to shoot at her and then she died 10 days later. Chad Davel claimed that she had went to bed the night before with a terrible cough and died in her sleep, which I don't know about you, Raven, but sometimes I have a terrible cough and go to sleep and I don't wake up dead. After her death, Chad declined an autopsy and uh, the county coroner did not overrule his decision, which... Why? <laughs> yeah. uh, Tammy Davell's body was exhumed and autopsied as it should have been, and we'll get into those results later. So now let's get a little bit into the timeline of the disappearance and what was all going on there, and then we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, Alex Cox and where he is and how he plays a part. We'll get into it. So, as of September twenty third, two thousand and nineteen, a doorbell video captured JJ Vallow playing with a friend, and that was the last video that he was seen on. Rexburg Kennedy Elementary School is the last confirmed place that he was seen as well. On September 24, 2019, Lori Vallow contacted JJ's school and actually told them that she was going to be withdrawing him, claiming that she would be homeschooling him. Tylee Ryan was, however, last seen September 8, 2019 at Yellowstone National Park with her brother JJ, her mother Lori, and her uncle Alex. Which, this is strange because they went missing in September, but in October, two Venmo payments were made from Tylee's account to her older half-brother, Colby. One payment was sent on October 10th with a message saying, we love you, and the second one was sent on October 16th with just a heart emoji. Colby said that he had not heard from Tylee since October text, but after that, he would try and message her, saying that he was worried, wondering where she was, and he would receive messages back saying that she was fine, but she was just too busy to talk. After that, the messages went unanswered, and Colby became more and more worried for his little sister. I also remember when this case was first unfolding, seeing on the news stories interviews with Colby, him saying that the messages he was receiving just did not sound like his sister, and he had been suspicious of them from the start. So Lori and Chad were officially married in Hawaii on November 5th, which was only two weeks after the death of Tammy, Chad's wife. (laughs) Just crazy not at all suspicious it's another marriage of Lori's, you know happens all the time we're used to it by now right yeah really we're on lucky number five what was gross about this is that when the couple was asked about if they had kids or whatever they would tell people they had no minor children and that <laughs> actually tylee passed away in 2017 which is strange because that's two years before she even went missing 
Yeah. Heard of someone to say that, you know? So, JJ's grandmother, Kay Woodcock, called the police and asked them to do a welfare check on Lori's townhouse. So, on November 26th, they conducted that welfare check, but Lori told the police that JJ was visiting his Arizona family. That night, a neighbor saw Lori and Chad and their brother Alex packing a truck outside of her home, and when the police and the FBI arrived the next day to search the home, it was completely abandoned. Even Chad's home was also searched by the investigators. From December 2019 to January 2020, the Rexburg Police, the Fremont County Sheriff's Office, and the FBI intensified the investigation into the disappearances of the two children, as well as the investigation into Tammy's death. And the flight of Chad and Lori Daybell from Idaho. Evidence was collected and Tammy Daybell's body was exhumed for an autopsy, as we said before. Colby, Ryan, and J.J. Val's grandparents pleaded with the Daybells to return the children with even offering a reward of $20,000 to give the children back. Investigators contended that J.J. and Tylee's lives were in danger. The children were not with Chad and Lori, and Lori knows where they are. Or what happened to them, at least. But she's completely refused to assist in the investigation, choosing instead to leave the state with her new husband. Which, I don't know about you guys, but if you have a child and they go missing, are you just going to refuse to participate? Uh-uh. <laughs> if, I, if anything ever happened to my Mackie Mac, I would lose my mind. You would not see me sleep. I would be walking, if I had to be barefoot, I'd be barefoot, walking the streets of Columbia, I would literally look wherever I needed to look. I would not stop. Y'all no, have to pull me. You don't stop. You act like the grandparents and the aunt in this case are acting, and you say, please bring the child back. Here's $20,000 if, if you can. This is why the media had such a bad outlook on the Daybells, because, you know, who does that? Who goes on vacation whenever their children are missing? I remember seeing the headlines, like, just slaughtering this who couple. Who has a Hawaii wedding? When your wife died Days two weeks that, yep. ago and your two kids are missing. Nobody does that. So, you know, the media is painting them out to be horrible people as they should have. But the lawyers, on the other hand, are not doing that. They're trying to maintain the images that Lori was a loving, devoted mother that would do anything for her children. And that Daybell had five kids of his own and he was a loving father and family man and... This was all speculation and rumors, so... Do anything except help the police find them. Yeah, literally. So let's talk a little bit about the storage locker. And if you know about this case, you've heard about the storage locker. So so there was a storage locker, and it was rented by Lori in October of 2019. And it contained items belonging to or related to her children, such as clothing, bikes, photographs. But it was abandoned by her whenever she suddenly left the Idaho area. Video footage actually shows her and her brother Alex moving things in and out of the storage locker. Many of the items actually belonged to Tylee and JJ. So just storing their things for, I guess, I don't know why. Because she knew they wouldn't come back? Who knows? It's hard for me to understand this because it you wouldn't store the things to somebody or something you didn't care about. But also, is it a mourning thing for her? Does she really... I, I obviously she doesn't care about her kids considering what happened. No, but like it's like she did and just stopped. It, it's very confusing for understanding her logic on this. So before we move into the next part of the case, there is a gap in the timeline. So I'm just going to fill in some holes really quickly. Um, in November of 2019, Alex did get married to a lady named Zuluma. 
I cannot pronounce the last name. It's Pastanez, I think. But anyways, they got married in Las Vegas. Just like, you know, his just sister. Just like Rory. <laughs> just like his sister. But he also changed his last name to match hers. So Pastinis. So now it's not Alex Cox anymore. It's Alex Pastinis. So if you see that name floating around the media, that's who that is. Um, you probably won't, though, because in December, actually, December 12th, just one day after they decided to re-examine the death of Tammy Daybell, Alex Cox dies of quote-unquote, natural causes. So he he had, what, blood clots and a heart problem, Sydney? Yeah, and here's the thing. It's just real convenient, the timing on that. Yeah. I mean, this is all my opinion. This is all speculation because we don't have any evidence of anything otherwise. But Lori used her brother like her own personal hitman. And... Just when he was no longer useful, all of a sudden, and the cops are starting to get suspicious of stuff, he suddenly turns up dead. That's definitely a theory. I also think that maybe, just maybe, Alex was the one that had something to do with Tammy's death. And whenever he found out the news of them, you know, digging up her grave and re-examining her body, he may have taken something could mimic the side effects. I'm not a doctor, but could mimic the side effects of heart disease and blood clots. I agree Some, with that. Something like that. Because he had already gotten away with with the self-defense murder of Charles. And beating up all her other husbands. And, yeah, and a lot of assault. I just don't think he thought he was going to get off again this time. And I think that he was guilty of a lot more than just Tammy. I think that we'll we'll get into it a little bit later, but I'm 100% sure he had something to do with the disappearance of the children. Exactly. I but think we'll, like I said, we'll we'll get into that, Sid. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to give away too much. I want them to listen to the whole episode. Rest in whatever, them. dude. <laughs> I want to keep giving them little teasers that way they stay around. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. But um on February 20 I hate this date. On February 20th, 2020, another tongue tie. Lori was arrested in Kauai, which is an island off of Hawaii or in Hawaii. She was arrested by Kauai Police Department and charged with two felony counts of desertion and non-support of dependent children by prosecutors in Ohio. She was also charged with three misdemeanors which were resisting or obstructing officers, criminal solicitation to commit a crime and contempt of court. And she was being held on a $5 million bill. She later agreed to be extradited back to Idaho to fight the charges if the judge would lower her bail from $5 million to $1 million. On May 1st, 2020, Lori appeared for her court hearing in Rexburg to request the reduction of her $1 million bill. The judge denied her request and at least two local bond companies reportedly were unwilling to work with her. Thanks, bond companies. I just think they didn't want to work with her because she abandons everything she has. She abandons her children. She abandons her home. She abandons her storage unit with all of her belongings. So she's probably going to skip out on paying the bondsmen back. And you know, y'all know how bondsmen are. They want their money. They're going to hold that collateral. And if they're not going to get it, and they know they're not going to get it because of the press around her, uh, I don't think yeah, they're they willing also, to work. I think they also knew from her past, she clearly has commitment issues. She's had everything. This is the fifth. Yeah, it's nope. Mm -mm. If if any of them lasted longer than like two or three years, I would be less judging. But 
Uh, so now we're going to get into March of 2020 and kind of go over why this happened, what happened exactly. So, Cindy, did you want to take that over a little bit? In a report on March 24, 2020, NBC referenced documents that Lori and Chad Daybell became convinced that Tylee and JJ were possessed and that they had become zombies. Um, this is part of the weird religious beliefs that her friend was talking about previously. Yeah, so I actually saw an article where she was talking to her friend Melanie on the phone one time. And this was back whenever Tylee was still heard around, seen around. She was very much alive and well at this time. But... Melanie was on the phone with Lori, and Lori became really frustrated with her daughter. I don't remember what the conversation was exactly about or the exact verbiage of the conversation. I'd have to look the article up. But it was somewhere along the lines where Tylee was, you know, being a normal 16-year-old girl, like having a little bit of attitude, you know, coming into those teenage years where, you know, mothers and daughters don't necessarily get along the best. And... Lori would always refer to her as a zombie or say, my daughter's turned into a zombie. She doesn't listen anymore, blah, blah. She's just possessed. And so it started, you know, it, it, that just proves this whole zombie and possessed verbiage that she would call her daughter came before, you know, the disappearance. So she truly did believe her children were possessed, which is just, oh my God, it's dumbfounding. Don't give this woman attitude, clearly. Yeah, literally. Have you never dealt with a 16-year-old girl before? They're going to be sassy. I mean, every teenager gets a little angsty at some point. Yeah. Anyway, on June 9th, 2020, police executed a search warrant at Chad Daybell's home where they discovered human remains buried in an alleged pet cemetery. So yeah, Chad had this thing in his yard, he referred to as his pet cemetery, where he would shoot animals on his land and bury them there, which is super morbid. He was recalled in a text message conversation with Tammy from a few months prior to all of this, pretty much saying that he had saw a raccoon, the raccoon tried to get away, he got his gun, he shot the raccoon, and now he's in the pet cemetery. So he had some kind of fascination with just killing animals and burying them in his yard, um, so that's, we also know he has the past as a as a grave digger, so it's not like he was just amateur digging up holes in his yard and throwing things in it. it, it there's right. a reason why neighbors weren't suspicious or Tammy wasn't suspicious while she was living. Right. So since we're talking about um, the yard, Chad's yard, I kind of wanted to throw in a date that we've kind of skipped over. It doesn't really fall into the storyline right now. I'm not really sure where it does fall into the storyline, so I just want to mention it now. But on September 9th of 2019, which is only a few days after the children allegedly went missing, Alex Cox's phone pinged at the location of the Daybell's home, um, which is why they went to look there in a specific spot. So that's important to mention, but we did kind of miss, like, skip over that time in the timeline but i wanted to mention it now yeah it just some of these pieces there's a lot of working pieces to the story yeah it wouldn't have made sense to mention that earlier before we mentioned that they had found human remains so i wanted to throw it in with this so just keep in mind that his phone did ping at chad's home in the pet cemetery and the bricks we're about to talk about um which is why we think alex has a hand in it as well yeah, which is why we believe personally that Alex was the hitman in this situation. Or at least involved in some way. Right. 
So at this point, Chad is booked into jail later that day on obstruction or concealment of evidence because he had human remains in his backyard. Right. He was later charged with felony murder. On June 10th, 2020, his bail was set, like Lori's, at $1 million. On July 2nd, prosecutors dropped two of the charges against Lori Daybell, two felony counts of desertion and non-supportive dependent children, and instead charged her with obstruction or concealment of evidence in regards to her children's remains. Which is a worse charge, so if you're upset they dropped charges on her, trust me, she got it much worse. Let me just clear this up, too, just so there's no confusion. So, when they found the human remains in the pet cemetery, those remains did unfortunately belong to J.J. Vallow. When they pinged the phone, the phone pinged in an area completely different than that in the yard to an area covered by bricks. When they recovered those, or they they pulled the bricks up, they recovered the remains of Tylee Ryan. So, they were in two separate spots. They weren't together. Just wanted to clear that up really quickly. Um, before we continued on with the charges. On July 17, 2020, in light of the two felony counts against Lori Daybell having been dropped, her bomb was lowered by a magistrate judge, Michelle Mallard, in Madison County. Judge Mallard decided to decrease the bond to $50,000 on each charge, totaling to $150,000 but noted that Daybell would still need to post $1 million in neighboring Fremont County to get out of jail. It was pointless to lower the bail anyways because she still needed that $1 million bill. Exactly. In addition to the bond reduction, a jury trial for the Madison County charges against Lori Vallow was set for January 25th through 29th of 2021. So now we're into this year, guys, closing up the case. Um... With the last date being as recent as May 26th, I do believe. So this is a big deal, and this is why we wanted to cover this case today, because it's only been not even a month ago. So um, I'll let you get a little bit more into it, Cindy. I'm sorry I keep cutting you off. I just think of these important things the last minute and just want to throw them out there. You're absolutely fine. You're adding to the story. On May 25th, 2021... Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell were indicted on the charge of conspiracy to commit first-degree murder, first-degree murder, and grand theft by deception for the deaths of Tylee and JJ and Tammy. Lori Vallow was charged with grand theft related to Social Security survivor benefits over $1,000 allocated for the care of minors Tylee Ryan and JJ Vallow that were appropriated her after the children went missing and ultimately were found deceased. So basically, she was collecting money for her missing children that were not actually missing. She knew where they were and pocketing it. Chad Daybell was charged with insurance fraud related to life insurance policy he had on Tammy, for which he was the beneficiary and received funds after her death. So while Lori was collecting money from her children, Chad was collecting money from his dead wife who he killed. And it's also crazy because as of May 26, 21, it came out that the couple believed Tammy was also possessed by a spirit. They believed that she was possessed by a spirit named Viola, actually. And her cause of death was initially deemed as natural, but later it was termed as superstitious. And that was whenever they pulled their remains out of the ground and re-exhumed them. So I just thought that, you know... It was crazy. They had a whole name for who was possessing her. You know, apparently every person that got in the way of their love life was possessed or zombies. 
No, no, no one uh, had, was a normal human that just thought they were crazy at all. No, right. they were all zombies or demons or. I think they're demons and zombies. You know, yeah, I mean, pretty much. I, I would say they're demonic. <laughs> so as for the results of Tammy's autopsy, they never specifically said the details of what they found, but they did say there was concrete evidence that suggested that murder was the cause of her death and it wasn't natural causes, which could link Chad and Lori to her death. So, so unless someone can find it, I couldn't find it. They as far as I know, they're not released to the public, but they did play a huge part in the case, um, and they were able to charge them for the her murder because of it. So, this uh, this is still very fresh, so it could be released later. But as, yeah, we can, as we right can now, know everything one day. We, we know that they were charged as guilty for killing Tammy. So, guys, that pretty much wraps up the case. Um, it is, like I said, a fully closed case at this point. There may be some details that come out within the next few weeks, months, or even the next year. Um, the two individuals who did do this crime, Lori and Chad, are both behind bars, as they should be. So I don't think that we're going to hear too much more out of this case because it is you know, pretty much closed at this point. It's a very sad case. I think any case regarding anybody, really, but especially children, especially special needs children, um, or in JJ's case, just very sad. I, I guess I'm just bothered because it's all just such bullshit. There's no reason that they had for this other than their weird obsessions. I don't think they truly believed themselves. That Why would you be calling your kids zombies months prior to you murdering them? Like, are you trying to convince? Who are you trying to convince, you know? Um, I don't know what world they got wrapped into. I know from all of the character statements I read um, researching this case, family members and friends close to Lori and her family would say that she was a great mom, would say that she would do anything for her children. So I'm not sure if she was wrapped up in the wrong situation and brainwashed or if she had underlying illnesses that came out whenever she met Chad. I'm not sure what what was going on in her head or if anyone was actually home up there to be honest but you know it is it just is really sad the whole situation and i think that's the only main adjective i can use for the entire case is just a sad case because it like i said in any case that regards children especially when adults harm children it just sickens me so and i know i have a bias towards that because i do have my own child and ugh, i can i can never even imagine calling my kid a zombie and I, I just have no remorse. That's different. Sorry. <laughs> I, I have I have no remorse or pity for for Chad and Lori. I think they knew exactly what they were doing. I don't think that there's I mean, there was no pleading insanity or anything like that. I I just I don't believe them. I think they're full of it. I think they yeah. did this on purpose and they were very aware of their actions and they just thought they could get away with it and live their little we got married in Hawaii and living our best life situation. Yeah, I wish that Alex would have stuck around a little bit longer to get what he got coming for him. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, at least we know that Chad and Lori are going to pay for what they did. Yeah. But It's crazy. But if you guys have stuck the whole podcast out, we love you and we appreciate you. And I want to leave you with a few more sources. So if you want to do a deep, deeper dive, we've given you pretty much all the information, but there are some things that we did leave out that we didn't deem totally necessary upon the case, like the fact of 
uh, more information on the service dog, about Lori giving the dog away on Facebook and stuff like that. We wanted to kind of just stick to the storyline. And if you guys want to do any further research, there are a few sources. So the first one is going to be called Documents Detail Horrific Manor. J.J. Vallow and Tylee Ryan were found in Chad Daybell's backyard. It's by Nate Eaton. Another one is going to be titled A Timeline of the Events Surrounding the Disappearance of J.J. Vallow and Tylee Ryan. It is by Sally Krutzig. I'm sorry if I said that wrong. And then, of course, I had to throw in one of my favorite sources that I ever love is Dateline. So Dateline did cover it. Um, it's yeah. called Ke- Keith Morrison Previews Dateline Special on Daybill Case. That is nothing like anything else he's ever seen. Obviously, you can go on YouTube and Google Doomsday Couple and, you know, all that jazz and find more details on the case. But I think there's a Lifetime movie coming out soon, too. I hate that. You know, I hate when people make movies about stuff like this. Yeah, but it does help you get the Chris Watts case. You know what? Yeah, I know about that. Yeah, that movie disgusted me because it it didn't glorify Chris Watts, but it it people who didn't know about the case found out because that entire movie was detailed around Chris Watts. You know, like I feel like they yeah. could have went about that differently. But hey, I'm not a producer, so I can't really speak on that. And I'm sure the producer for that made a lot of money. So hey, more, more power to him. So, yeah, that's the end of the case. And like always, we want to know what you think about it. So if you want to go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, you can. We would appreciate it. If you don't have Apple, you can listen to us on uh, I almost said Spotify. We don't have Spotify. You can no. listen to us on Podbean. You can listen to us on Google um, Google Podcast, and then also on iHeartRadio. And Alexa, tune in. Oh, and Alexa, tune in. Okay, Sydney. On the app, yeah. <laughs> you, got us, you got us on somewhere else? We've been on that one. You just never mentioned it. Oh, that's my bad then, guys. That's my bad. <laughs> But also reach out to us on Instagram. Again, I'll mention it at Two Dead Girls Podcast. We always put a face to the case on there. We post two posts leading up to the case, and then we'll post a case overview on the day we release the episode. So you can always, you know, see firsthand who we're going to be talking about that week on our Instagram. Um, If you have any case suggestions, please head over to our email and shoot us a quick email at two dead girls podcast at gmail.com. Let us know who we should cover next, why we should cover them, you know, all that jazz. And also, I say this in every episode, and I'm going to keep saying it, if you have any paranormal pictures or stories, please send them to us. Those are so interesting to me, and we will make probably an hour and a half long episode just so all kind of paranormal stories mash into one. That way... We have to do a combination episode, yeah. Yeah. That way we can get a few stories out and, you know, take up as much space as we can, you know? But... (laughs) And we will post your scary pictures and we will tag you in them. So that will be fun. But if you guys are excited for that, then, you know, stay tuned, subscribe. (laughs) That's going to be the end of this episode. So like I said, I hope you guys enjoyed it and we'll see you in our next one. Signing out, your two fave dead girls. Bye, guys. The other day in the middle of the night, two dead girls began to fight. Back to back, they faced each other, drew their swords and shot each other. A deaf policeman heard the noise and came to kill the two dead girls. But if you don't believe this story is true, ask the blind man. He saw too. Or just listen to this podcast with two dead girls.